It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti back with you guys here. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, and it's another month. It's a fresh start. It's it's hard to believe it's June 1st already. We're just inching closer and closer, hopefully, to the start of the regular season. We finally made it through these last couple months. And uh, we're almost really starting to get full speed ahead, kind of, toward hopefully training camps. Uh, at the end of next month, you know, we're taking baby steps, of course, with all these governors coming out and saying the teams can practice and hold training camps or any kind of training, whatever the case may be. So hopefully we'll get something, you know, we have the NHL return to play. Uh, the NBA has a, a potential targeted return date. And again, hopefully by the end of next month, we'll have something in the NFL. But hope you guys are staying safe and staying well, taking care of each other. And it's going to be another fun week here uh, across the Locked On Network. So glad you could be with us here on this June 1st edition. We're going to kick things off here with some player numbers because the Panthers over the weekend unveiled their jersey numbers for their undrafted free agents and uh, a couple of uh, free agent signings, additional free agent signings that came after the NFL draft, the big one there, you know, before Eli Apple, because just to preface preface this a little bit, Eli Apple does not have a jersey number yet. He was not on this list, you know, likely just because, you know, he just recently signed, of course. You know, he just signed uh, on Friday, and the Panthers just did this over the weekend. So Apple's not on this list, but the other free agent signings that they, that they uh, made are on this list, including, of course, Michael Schofield, who they signed, of course, from the Los Angeles Chargers. He will wear number 75 for the Panthers. And, of course, the list is on the website, but just going to run through it real quick here for you guys. So it starts with former Arkansas State wide receiver, of course, the guy we had touched on a little bit at the signing, a very stat-heavy player, you know, put up big numbers, and that, of course, was Omar Bayless. He will wear number 17 for the Panthers. So he takes Devin Funchess's old number. Uh, the only number there in the teens. Uh, three players getting numbers in the 30s. That's cornerback Derek Thomas will wear number 35. Running back Rodney Smith, the former uh, Minnesota kid, he'll wear number 36. And defensive back Miles Hartsfield will wear number 38. Then they gave all their linebackers, as well as one of their tight ends, Numbers in the 40s. Now, keep in mind, of course, you know, when you get to the, fi the final 53 and if some of these players make the roster, their numbers might change, you know, depending on player uh, number availability. But all five of their linebackers and uh, one of their tight ends got numbers in the 50s. So Sam Franklin, uh, the Temple product, he'll wear number 42. Jason Ferris will wear number 45. Jordan Mack, the Virginia kid, will wear number 47. Chris Orr will wear number 48, and David Reese will wear number 49. 
So all of them right next to each other, the Virginia kid, uh, the Wisconsin kid, and the Florida kid. And then Cam Sutton, of course, the tight end out of Fresno State, he will wear number 46. Then two numbers in the 60s were dished out to a couple of offensive guards. Brandon Bowen will wear number 60, and Mike Horton will wear number 66. Then they gave out six numbers in the 70s, including, like I said, Michael Schofield at 75. Uh, Frederick Maugoa, the center, he'll wear number 70. Sam Tecklenburg, the former Baylor offensive lineman, he'll wear number 71. Juwan Bushell Beattie, their free agent signing, he'll wear number 73. Uh, Austrian Robinson, the defensive tackle, he'll wear number 77. And Miles Adams, defensive tackle, will wear number 79. Trevante Heights, the former TCU wide receiver, so one of the former running mates of uh, Jalen Rager, he'll wear number 81. Then a couple of tight ends, Giovanni Ricci will wear number 85, and Colin Thompson will wear number 86. And last but not least is defensive tackle Devontae Lambert, he will wear number 96. So that's the list of the undrafted free agents and a couple of the NFL free agents that the Panthers signed after the draft. Those are all their numbers uh, for this upcoming season. So again, really the only player now that does not have a number yet is Eli Apple. But the Panthers do now have a full roster of 90 and soon enough, we'll be cutting it down to 53. And you know, we'll, we'll go through that at some point. Maybe try to do a projected 53. But again, those are all the numbers now for all the players. Uh, and we'll eventually we'll get the number for Eli Apple. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So with that in mind, uh, before we move on, of course, want to thank our great sponsor. It's our old buddies over at BuiltBar.com, the best, pr- uh, best tasting protein bar ever. Because they, of course, have all the health benefits of a protein bar, but the deliciousness of eating a candy bar because they are made with 100% pure chocolate. Uh, They have 16 amazing flavors, eight of which have chocolate and nuts, eight of which have chocolate and are nut-free. So plenty of uh, options for you guys like uh, raspberry cream, peanut butter, toffee almond, uh, orange cream, white chocolate, so many different flavors. And these are soft and easy to chew. So, you know, no, you don't have to worry about uh, you know, even the crunch, the tough crunchiness, anything like that. They're very easy to chew and very delicious. And again, these are great for the uh, the health conscious guy because you can lose or maintain weight and still have that delicious treat. Uh, these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. For example, the peanut butter brownie bar has 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, three grams of sugar, and just three grams of net carbs. 
And the mint brownie, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. So, again, the the, the benefits of, the, of a health bar, the deliciousness of a candy bar. And if you guys want to try this for yourselves, go to BuiltBar.com. That's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your first order. So again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON gets you $10 off your first order. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So to help kind of fill the off-season gap here, I thought it would be a good idea to do do another of these little flashback things. Maybe not a full full week like we did with the the Super Bowl Super Bowl season a couple weeks ago. Maybe just kind of highlight one season a day just to kind of, like I said, fill some time. And what better way to start with uh, some of these flashbacks, uh, of course, you know, after the 2015 season that we touched on. But after that, what better season to start with than the very first season? Let's go all the way back to the beginning. 1995, the very first season of the Carolina Panthers. Of course, this was after, you know, uh, two seasons in which the Carolina Panthers uh, had been announced as a, as one of the newest NFL franchises, of course, 95, they came in with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and so 95, they were all set for uh, their very first season in the NFL. They, of course, were placed in the NFC West, because as we know, um, the NFL is so good at geography when they uh, when they move teams around. So a team that sits on the east coast of the United States is sitting on the west coast of uh or like the western the western uh, division but if you remember uh really the only western team in the nfc west in 1995 was the san francisco 49ers uh, because you also had really of course if you guys remember your history three of the five nfc west teams uh, in this 95 season are what are now in the nfc south the carolina panthers the new orleans saints and the Atlanta Falcons, the Buccaneers, I believe, were in the the good old good old NFC Central at the time. That uh, six division or that six team division. So the Panthers were slotted in the NFC West. You know, even though it would have made a lot more sense to shift the Cardinals to the NFC West since they were in Arizona at the time. Because remember, there was that geographic imbalance as well. You had the Carolina Panthers playing in the NFC West. You had the Arizona Cardinals playing in the NFC East. All they could have done was just flip those two, and you could have had the Panthers uh, in the NFC East with teams like the Giants, the Eagles, and all that. But that's the NFL for you. Uh, But they were up against, of course, the Rams and the 49ers, who, of course, are both now uh, still in the new, quote-unquote, NFC West. Uh, But the... uh, you know, let's jump into the the 95 
Carolina Panthers. It started, you know, this is an interesting note, just kind of looking at their history, especially what we talk about now. Uh, the Panthers were jokingly called Buffalo Bills South, which of course is funny because now it's almost like the Bills are Carolina Panthers North because you have former defensive coordinator Sean McDermott as their head coach. You have Brandon Bean as their general manager who previously worked in the Panthers front office. You have a bunch of former Panthers players that are now playing with the Bills, including this free agency period in which Mario Addison is in Buffalo. Uh, Vernon Butler is in Buffalo. Uh, Starlo Tulele, of course, is in Buffalo. So you have all these former Panthers connections that are basically making the Bills kind of Carolina Panthers north. But back then, the Panthers were like the Buffalo Bills south because of all the former Buffalo Bills that they had on their roster, including quarterback Frank Reich, as in now Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich, uh, wide receiver Don Beebe, tight end Pete Medzelaires, and linebacker Carlton Bailey. And they also had uh, Bill Polian. Of course, Bill Polian was their very first general manager, who was the former GM of the Bills, and of course eventually became uh, GM of the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, they had all those. Started, of course, with the 1995 NFL expansion draft, which, of course, was made up of two teams because, again, the Panthers came into the league with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And so they flip-flopped picks. Jacksonville actually ended up uh, getting the first pick in the expansion draft because the Panthers were awarded the first pick in the actual NFL draft. And with that first pick, of course, the Jaguars took Steve Berline from the Arizona Cardinals. And then with the uh, with the Panthers' first pick, they took quarterback Rod Smith of the New England Patriots. As, of course, this was back when, you know, you weren't really getting, you know, the greatest of players. But guys like Berline and, and Rod Smith were pretty solid. The rules simply were... Uh, Existing NFL teams made six players available, which is actually one more than what we saw when the uh, when we had the 2002 expansion draft when the Houston Texans came into the league. NFL teams made five players available uh, for those drafts. So the Texans were pretty much picking from the bottom of the barrel. Uh, but I guess because, you know, you had two teams and, of course, fewer teams. Remember, this was when there were still, uh, I think there were th uh, 28 other teams at this time, if uh, if I remember correctly, because this, of course, was when, um, you know, 95, I, you still had the Cleveland Browns before they became the Baltimore Ravens, and then before, of course, the Cleveland Browns came back into the NFL, which made the NFL 31 franchises. So, 28 teams making six players available, and uh, the teams were required to pick a minimum of 30 players and a maximum of 42 players. Uh, and then each time one of the expansion franchises selected a team from an existing player, that team was then permitted to remove a remaining player from its list of available players. In the end, the Panthers picked 35 players, while the Jaguars picked 31. And I'm not going to go through uh, all 35 picks for the Panthers. I'll run through the top 10, uh, their first 10 picks of the draft, so you guys have an idea. So it was Rod Smith, the quarterback from the Patriots, Niners offensive tackle Henry Boatswain, Redskins tight end Kurt Hawes, Seahawks DN Tyrone Rogers, 49ers defensive end Mark Thomas, Steelers cornerback Tim McHire, Chargers center Curtis Whitley, Rams fullback Howard Griffith, 
uh, Chiefs nose tackle Greg Cragen and Raiders safety Kerry Brabham. So those are just their top 10 picks. Uh, and again, they wound up making 35. And then you actually got to the actual NFL draft in 1995. And remember, in that draft, the Panthers, of course, originally had the number one pick. That's why they had the second pick in the expansion draft. But they ended up trading that pick to the Cincinnati Bengals, who wound up taking running back Kijana Carter. And we know uh, Kijana Carter didn't have a, a star-studded NFL career. Uh, an ACL tear certainly brought that to a halt. He did, did last nine years in the league. Uh, but of course, never really, you know, he only rushed for 1,100 plus yards in his career. So he never lived up to that number one status. Uh, the Panthers, of course, dropped back to number five and took the took the second quarterback off the board. And that was Kerry Collins out of Penn State. Of course, 95 was the year that Steve McNair was drafted out of Alcorn State, third overall by the Houston Oilers. So the Panthers took Kerry Collins with that fifth pick. Then, then of course, because of course they had three first round picks in this 95 draft. They also took Tyrone Poole, the cornerback out of Fort Valley State, and Blake Brockermeyer, the offensive tackle out of Texas, at number 29. As of course, this draft or the trade was that the Panthers traded number one to Cincinnati for Cincinnati's first and second round selections, numbers five. And uh, and 36 is 22 because, of course, 29 at the time was the uh, well, actually, 22 they actually acquired from Green Bay as Green Bay traded up to 22, also sending in pick 191 to Carolina for picks uh, 32, 32, 65, and 173. Because you also have, looks like you had a extra selection awarded to an expansion team. So they had the uh, the two extra, or the extra pick in the the extra picks in the in the the, the back of each round. Excuse me, uh, for the expansion teams there. Uh, but again, the Panthers traded traded up to twenty two. Or so, excuse me, I think I screwed that up. Carolina traded up to 22, also sending 191 to Green Bay for picks 32, 65, and 173. And then they swung a deal with the San Diego Chargers as they traded up from 34 to 29. Uh, that's where they picked Blake Brockermeyer. They sent picks 34, 98, and 100 to the uh, to the Chargers for that pick. So they gave up. Effectively, uh, two, you know, one first round pick and then an early second round pick to move back into the first round to get those three picks. So then their next pick came at number 36 overall. That was Sean King, the defensive end out of Louisiana Monroe. And then they didn't pick again until number 132. That's where they took Washington center Frank Garcia. But they were busy in the last couple of rounds because then they had six picks. In the last three rounds, those wound up being Northwestern wide receiver Michael Centers at pick number 135, and Washington offensive tackle Andrew Peterson at pick 171. That was in the fifth round. Then in round six, they took 
Baylor defensive tackle Steve Strahan at pick 188. And Tennessee quarterback Jerry Colquitt at pick 191. And then finally in round 7, they took Oregon safety Chad Coda at pick 209. And Boston College safety Michael Reed at 249. All but three of those players ultimately made the Panthers roster. Centers, Strahan, and Colquitt did not. And only one of these players made at least one Pro Bowl during their career. That was Kerry Collins, of course, who, as we know, had a really good career in the NFL. Collins, of course, wound up playing from 1995 until 2011, spanning six teams uh, in his career, playing with the Panthers, the Saints, the Giants, the Raiders, the Titans, and the Colts. He made two Pro Bowls in 96 and in 2008, the year he led the Titans to that 13-win season. And even in college, he had a, a good career. He was a Davey O'Brien Award winner in 94, was a finalist for the Heisman in 94, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year in 94, and a consensus All-American in 94. Finished with 208 touchdowns, 196 interceptions in his career, almost 41,000 passing yards, passer rating of 73.8. And he was also drafted into Major League Baseball. Fun fact there, if you didn't know that. He was the 26th round pick of the Detroit of the Detroit Tigers in 1990, but opted to attend Penn State. And then Detroit then selected him in the 60th round of the 1991 amateur draft, but did not sign with the club. He was again selected in the 48th round of the 94 amateur draft by the Toronto Blue Jays, but again, did not sign. So that was the Panthers draft. Uh, and then their uh, staff, again, Bill Poling was their original general manager, and Dom Capers was their very first head coach. He had come over, he was previously the defensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers for the past three seasons, of course, spent a lot of time as a defensive backs coach, ultimately spent four years as head coach of the Panthers, and then was also the very first head coach in Houston Texans history. So uh, two of the last three expansion teams, Dom Capers uh, was the was the very first coach. Now, of course, Dom Capers is a senior defensive assistant for the Minnesota Vikings. So a long career for him. I mean, he's been a coach since 1972 when he was a, a graduate assistant at Kent State. And made it into the, finally made it into the NFL in 1986 as defensive backs coach of the New Orleans Saints. So Dom Capers was their first head coach. Um, Joe Pendry was his offensive coordinator. And Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator. So again, a long, long history there for Dom, or uh, for Vic Fangio as well. Uh, his previous stint, he had spent the last eight years as linebackers coach for the New Orleans Saints. So Capers and uh, Fangio, of course, worked together for about five years at the Saints. And then he spent a lot of time as defensive coordinator. He was also Dom Capers' defensive coordinator for the Texans uh, when they came into the league in 2002. And now, of course, as we know, Fangio is head coach of the Denver Broncos. And then Brad Seeley was their uh, special teams coordinator. And, you know, certainly some 
Some good names on this list here. George Catavallos, former longtime NFL coach. Greg Roman, as in the current offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. He was the defensive quality control coach of this 1995 team. So a few names here that are still around in the NFL 25 years later. So uh, some good names that were picked out here by Bill Polian and Dom Capers. And uh, the Panthers were selected to play in the Hall of Fame game, naturally against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They did win that game. Lost to the Bears, beat the Broncos, lost to the 49ers, beat the Giants in the preseason. So they started 3-2. and two. But then the fun began. Their very first regular season game was September 3rd, 1995, at the Georgia Dome against the Atlanta Falcons. And early on, you know, it was just that firepower of the, uh, the Panthers as the expansion team. Uh, but they ultimately... Lost the game in overtime, 23-20. to In fact, of course, the Panthers would lose their first five games of the regular season. Losing 31-9 at Buffalo in Week 3. Then losing to the Rams, 31-10. to uh, And 95, of course, was the first year that the Rams were in St. Louis. After, of course... Uh, uh, they moved from L.A. And remember, of course, this is where the pa Panthers were playing at Memorial Stadium at Clemson University because Bank of America Stadium was still under construction uh, in 95. So they wouldn't move there, of course, until 96. Then they had their bye in week four. And then they had their first meeting of what became now a good rivalry with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, uh, at the time, it was a non-divisional battle because the Bucs were still in the uh, NFC Central. Uh, Bucks won that game 20-13, and then they lost at Chicago 31-27 uh, to fa fall to 0-5. But then Week 7, October 15th, the Panthers finally punched their ticket, scoring their very first win ever as a franchise when they knocked off the New York Jets by a score of 26-15. It was an NBC game, uh, 4 o'clock start. Uh, the Panthers jumped out to a 3-0 lead after the first quarter and held on for a one-point lead at halftime at 13-12, uh, then scored a touchdown in the third quarter. That made it 20-12 uh, to, and then held off for the 26-15 win. So the very first win over came against the New York Jets. So... Again, uh, the full scoring, it was a John Casey field goal to uh, kick things off. That made it 3-0. Then uh, then the Jets got a safety when they sacked Kerry Collins in the end zone. So that made it 3-2 Carolina. And then the Jets kicked a 50-yard field goal from Nick Lowry. That made the score 5-3. And then Mo Lewis with a 13-yard pick six off of Collins. The extra point made it 12-3. But then the Panthers... Rallied a bit. 39-yard uh, field goal from John Casey. And then a Sam Mills pick six. Gave the Panthers the 13-12 lead at halftime. Then Vince Workman. A five-yard touchdown run. Extra point made it 20-12. And that was the only scoring in the third quarter. And then it was all field goals in the fourth quarter. John Casey from 40 yards out made it 23-12. to 
Nick Lowry got the Jets back within uh, eight points from a from 39 yards away, made it 23 to 15, and then John Casey 30 yard field goal gave the Panthers the 26-15 lead, and that became the final. Dom Capers got the Gatorade bath. The Panthers finally had their first win as a franchise. And then they were rolling a bit. They went on to win their next three games. Beat the Saints 20-3 at home. Then went to Foxborough to beat the Patriots in overtime uh, 20-17. And then went out to San Francisco and beat the 49ers 13-7. So they were 4-5 and five at that point. But then the winning streak came to an end as they lost at the Rams 28-17. And then they would go on to alternate wins and losses from there. Beat the Cardinals 27-7 in Week 12. Uh, lost at the Saints 34-26 in Week 13. Week 14, beat the Colts at home 13-10. Week 15, beat the 40, or lost to the 49ers at home 31-10. And then Week 16, they beat the Falcons 21-17. And then wrapped up the season losing at Washington on Christmas Eve 20-17. So the Panthers finished their inaugural season at 7-9. and nine. But seven wins was the best debut year for any expansion franchise since the NFL's inception. And that, of course, still holds true because we know the Texans did not have a good year uh, in 2002 when they came into the league. The Panthers did finish fourth in the division, but all, all five teams won at least seven games that year the Niners won the division at 11 and 5 uh the Falcons got a wild card at 9 and 7 and then the Rams the Panthers and the Saints all finished 7 and 3 and then some records that the Panthers put up during that season again most victories by an expansion team with 7 uh they were the first expansion team to have a winning record at home going 5 and 3 they were the first expansion team to have a four-game winning streak. Uh, that, of course, as we, we talked about weeks 7 through 10. First team to beat a defending Super Bowl champion in their inaugural season. That 13-7 win over the 49ers in San Francisco. Remember, this was the year after the Niners throttled the San Diego Chargers uh, in, in uh, Super Bowl 29. And they became the first expansion team in NFL history to win its inaugural contest. Now, that was guaranteed to happen because they're counting the Hall of Fame game. That was guaranteed to happen no matter what since, again, it was both expansion teams. But the Panthers won it, so they got they have that uh, distinction of first expansion team to win its inaugural contest uh, counting the preseason. So that kind of set the wheels in motion for the Carolina Panthers. And as we know... 1996 was a, uh, a very good year for the Carolina Panthers, and we will certainly delve into that uh, at some point. Uh, but 95, uh, a good first impression for the Carolina Panthers, and here they are still going pretty strong now, 25 years later. We know, of course, uh, times aren't the greatest, but overall, it was a, it's, a, it's been a solid franchise, and it got off on the right foot. I mean... You know, we again, we've seen teams do a lot worse in their first franchise or, or first season as a franchise than what the Panthers did at seven and nine. But that's the look back at the inaugural 
1995 Carolina Panthers season. And now we travel back to 2020 to uh, to wrap up this episode. But as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I uh, really appreciate it. I'm going to get out of here. Take care of yourselves. Stay well. And have yourselves a great rest of your Monday. We will see you tomorrow right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 